At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again on the HHC. Sadly, another Silver Linings edition. Hornets had a very home-heavy month of May, but due to injuries and uh, other circumstances, it has not been a very friendly one in terms of the results. Team dropped their third in a row, fourth out of their last five, and they have now lost five of their last six home games. Still, Charlotte is in position to not only play in the play-in tournament, but either host the 9-10 game or they can still earn a spot in the 7-8 game. It is very much under their own control with only two games left on the season. So we'll talk about the games we'll be watching for tonight, the team's mindset. We're going to talk about the rookie ladder. No, I did not miss it. I was not so overcome with joy that LaMelo was finally put back where he belongs in the top spot that I forgot to talk about entirely. We'll talk about the rookie ladder here on this edition of the HHC and, of course, break down last night's game. Helping me out with all this, Wes Robinson, social media associate for the Charlotte Hornets, back with us here on the Hornets Hivecast. And, Wes, let's get right into it. Charlotte Falls 113-90. to This was a very Jekyll and Hyde type of performance for the Hornets defensively. First quarter, it was okay at best. Really, Clippers started to pull away towards the tail end. Second quarter was by far their best performance defensively, one of their best overall this season. And then the bottom fell out, a 40-point third quarter. Probably Clippers could have gone for 40 again in the fourth had they decided to leave their starters in. What is your take on what went wrong last night for Buzz City? Yeah, I mean, it was just a case of a young team that's really trying to find themselves playing against another team in the wild, wild west, a team that's already kind of structured their team into making it to the finals. So that third quarter really hurt the uh, the Hornets coming out really flat. 
And this is a team that really knows how they have an identity of what they want to be going into the playoffs. At this at this moment right now, everybody has something to play for. Just as Eric Collins and Dale Curry pointed out, that the Clippers are definitely trying to fight for a position so that they can make their run at where they want to be ultimately as NBA champions this year. So this is a great veteran group that just knows how to find their spots and find their shooters and get in good positions to score versus a team like Charlotte. We've had to make a lot of different adjustments and disguise many different looks. We've had many different lineups, changes over the last 10 games, really over the last 10 to 20 games. So we're still trying to find ways of how we can make runs and still stay afloat in the East so that we can have a great position in the playoffs. But like you said, injuries and other circumstances have put us in a tough position where James Rego has pretty much had to change his lineup and his game plan almost every game, trying to cater to teams that are already coming into Charlotte with already an identity of how they want to go into the playoffs. So it was just a tough night overall. I mean, I do like the fight and battle after coming out flat in the first quarter. And like you said, giving, giving their best defensive efforts in the second quarter. But just the third quarter just showed that this team was just a little bit more prepared and came out stronger as a veteran team should in this game, and that was pretty much the outcome of this matchup. And I think you were on the money about the experience factor. I mean, you look at you know the Hornets as they try and plug the holes of missing superstars, really, of missing Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges too, but for this point, it really, Gordon is the one that you really have to struggle to fill in for, and you look at how the Hornets do it, you, you've got a second-year player in Jalen McDaniels, you've got a second-year player in Caleb Martin, you've got young guys all across the board, and then you look at what the role players are for the Clippers right now. Reggie Jackson is a 10-year veteran who has been a team's leading scorer before with Detroit. Marcus Morris is a 10-year veteran who still averages 13 points per game and shoots 47% from three. Serge Ibaka is not even playing for the Clippers, yet he's due to come back at some point. That's a 12-year veteran who's been a part of all-star elite rosters previously. You've got DeMarcus Cousins, 11-year veteran. Patrick Beverly, 9-year veteran. Nicholas Batum, 13-year veteran. Are you getting the point? Uh, The Hornets, this is a very young roster, and... They have performed very well. This is not a slight. This is not a knock. This is the nature of the NBA. When you are good, when you're pushing for a title, you get old. You get experience so that if some of these issues crop up, you're not turning the reins over to a second-year player who hasn't been in this position before. You're giving the ball to someone who's been in significant playoff games prior and Charlotte ran into a team last night in the Clippers who had all that experience at their disposal and eventually were able to pull away that doesn't mean the Hornets were not without highlights I thought the second quarter was one of their better of the season offensively they did a little bit they scored 24 points but defensively was really on point and the transition game was there as evidenced by this play from Terry Rozier Zubats pass intercepted cleanly by LaMelo Ball ball back the other way gives to Rozier Off to Washington. Transition three on its way. It's short, but the long rebound to P.J. Gives to Graham. Out to the corner. Rozier pulls the trigger. The three is good. Terry Rozier assist to Devontae Graham. And the Hornets have taken a 47-44 lead. We've really seen, even with some of these losses, Wes, the defense turning into offense, helping this team push forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the, pretty much the way that James Reagan wants to play is like to play fast and to beat defenders up the floor, but to make sure that we're crashing the glass and that we're we're disrupting a lot of passing lanes that a lot of positions that teams are comfortable doing where they're like they're they're some teams that like really like to shoot the three ball. There's some teams that like to get up the floor, and there's some teams that really like to pound the paint. 
So we try to pretty much create our game plans. I mean, I say we as in James Borrego and his staff give more credit to them than myself. <laughs> but they pretty much like to put themselves in a position that we can have an advantage of playing very fast. And one one way you like to get up the court is through misses and getting steals and great defensive efforts, whether it's the extra going out of the bounds efforts, whether it's diving on, diving on the floor for loose balls, that, as you've seen with LaMelo and the Martin brothers and Terry, just being able to be in a position to want it more than the other team. That always creates a great opportunity to maybe to be able to get higher percentage shots or to get fast break points up down the floor. That's been our identity the whole season, and that's just something that we we just have to keep going and moving forward with as we make this playoff push. JB weighed in after the game on the progress the Hornets have uh, still been able to show despite the recent losses. Well, I'm encouraged that we're hanging with these groups. You know, at Denver it was not so good. At LA it was not so good. We've come a long way. You know, we, we battled five-point game against Denver. It was a one-point game at some point in the fourth quarter. You know, tonight, to start the quarter, the fourth quarter, a seven-point game. Again, our guys battled there. But against good teams, you got to be perfect down the stretch. In the fourth quarters, you, you better bring your best. And you got to make shots, and they, they, you got to hope and, you know, do your best defensively to prevent them from scoring. And obviously, that didn't go our direction there in the fourth quarter. But we put ourselves in position, you know, against Denver to start this fourth quarter as a seven-point game. We just could not close it out. But it's it's great experience for our guys. We're going to need that again on Saturday. I think with the exception of the first quarter against Denver, the fourth quarter against the Clippers, Hornets performed pretty darn well against two elite Western Conference teams, both of whom are favorites to, at the very least, make the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, if not even uh, go further, and maybe one of them will be representing the West in the NBA Finals. Before we wrap this segment and last night's game, Wes, your silver lining from last night. Yes, my silver lining will be the production level of LaMelo Ball. Being able, I think he's starting to really feel comfortable. Tonight was one of the best performances that I've seen since his return. Um, he had zero turnovers tonight playing in 31 minutes. And he was still able to put up 18 points and still put up six assists and six rebounds. So to see, to be able to see him feel comfortable on the floor, and he also went three for four from three-point range. And now we know that he's had a little discomfort um, here and there with his uh, wrist. So that's probably threw off his little, a uh, little bit of his shooting rhythm. But going three for four tonight, shooting 50% from the floor with zero turnovers and, and scoring 18 points. I really like that he's starting to pick right back up where he left off. And that's a good sign going into the playoffs as we're looking to make a run with the, regardless of who's coming back. But at least we have a guy that's pretty much has created a new identity for us as far as pace of play, efficient passing, finding guys uh, down the floor, putting them in the right positions, such as Bismack, Biombo, Jalen McDaniels, Miles Bridges. It's good to see LaMelo Ball getting back into that rhythm as he still try to nurse uh, his wrist injury. Ball pulls the trigger on another three, splashes it through. Rip the net cord, LaMelo Ball, yet another Lowe's drilling threes bucket. Ten for the Hornets rookie. And LaMelo Ball would end up with 18. And glad you pointed out the turnovers. First time since he has returned from that wrist injury, which, of course, he suffered the first time around against the Clippers, that he has had a game without a turnover. In fact, you have to go all the way back to March 15th, the win over Sacramento, to see the last time LaMelo Ball did not have a turnover in a game. So big step forward there. Shooting looked good. A lot of positives. Big part of the reason why that uh, the young man is back atop the rookie ladder. That's our next topic here on the Hornets Hivecast. 
Buzz City, the Hornets are heading to the postseason and want you to help bring the hive alive as they push for a return to the NBA playoffs. Tickets for all potential home games in the new State Farm play-in tournament and the first round of the NBA playoffs go on sale Saturday, May 15th at 10 a.m. at Hornets.com or Ticketmaster.com and can also be purchased on the Hornets app or by phone at 1-800-4NBATIX. Don't miss your chance to secure your seat and be a part of Hornets history. Go to Hornets.com today. It's trailing by four. Washington up with a floater. The bank shot. No, Biombo got the rebound. Throws it out to Ball. Ball, three on the way. Yes, sir. 16 for LaMelo. LaMelo would end up with 18 last night. Unfortunately, it was in a loss, 113-90. to Hornets now 33-37. and They end the year with a 500 record at home, but will not be able to accomplish a 500 record overall. Sam Farber, Wes Robinson, Hornet social media associate here on the Hornets Hivecast. And Wes, I want to talk rookie ladder. Uh, it has been one of our hot topics throughout the season. Every week it would come out. And first half, for the most part, we were always happy, encouraged. LaMelo Ball spent most of that time atop it where he belonged. Then the injury came and madness ensued. He fell all the way to sixth and inexplicably stayed there. Well, I guess there was an explanation, but I just didn't like it. Then he went up to fifth at one point, which made less sense. Last week he was two. This week he's back at number one. And some of the arguments used, and this is written up on NBA.com. You can find it there. The argument basically is that this is how this voter is going to vote at season's end. So glad they came around for the finish line. That LaMelo Ball is going to end up playing just over 70% of the game. So that's well beyond that made-up minimum of 61% Patrick Ewing played when he won it in 1986. His impact on winning is undeniable. His ability to affect of play to mix it up offensively defensively shoot the three all of his weaknesses not necessarily shown to be strengths but they have not been weaknesses for this young man he has been able to really put on a show and help turn this Hornets franchise around 33 and 37 might not sound like much but it's eight more wins than most sites predicted they would have at the start of the season and to be in a play-in tournament for sure at this point is thanks in large part to LaMelo Ball so he's back atop the rookie ladder one week away basically from when the votes have to be turned in for rookie of the year how do you feel about LaMelo's chances to win the award yeah I mean uh, it hasn't changed at all I mean it just proves our point even more I mean we were making a case about him being rookie of the year when he when he was not playing on the floor. So the fact that he's above, and I'm glad you pointed out the Patrick Ewing statistic because now that just pretty much gives him more of an advantage because when Patrick won it at 61%, and now he's above 70. And to pick up right where he left off, um, as I said earlier, that's just even more of, of an effect that shows that, you know, that this kid can really play and, and his effect that he has on the floor. He's one of the most polarizing rookies that's out there right now. I mean, this is no disrespect to Anthony Edwards at all and, and then the other rookies that are doing great things. But I think being able to clinch the play-in tournament and then, and then the story has yet to be written even more because now we, we could be possibly talking about not just the playing but the playoffs and to see how far we can go with that i think the the lamella ball story is not going to end here versus uh the anthony edwards and the temple wolves unfortunately their season has to come to an end but lamella ball still has more chapters that he can write in his story and i think it's just going to be uh amazing to see but the most part about lamella ball that that is that is amazing about him is just not the points but like you said it's, it's three point percentage shooting 
the assists. And one part that was impressive with me is his defensive efforts, that this kid just really loves to – he has a knack on the defensive end to be able to get in those passing lanes and to either get a steal or make an attempt to disrupt the offense to kind of throw the rhythm off a little bit. So he's always in those positions to either make a play or to set somebody else up for a play as well. The instincts, the, I mean, just the natural ability to be out there defensively. I think we've heard from people that, you know, there's some work still to be done in terms of one-on-one defending, and that's true for all rookies. But the chaos he's able to create, sneaking in behind players and poking the ball free, never quitting on any loose ball, any rebound, it's really been impressive. The other part of the Rookie Ladder article that came out most recently on NBA.com is it kind of revisited last year's list, gave a sophomore ladder, if you will, and uh, it described the sophomore season in the NBA. It's an interesting one because you've lost some of the luster of that rookie year where there's nothing but untapped potential, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to be a seasoned vet and have already established what your role is going to be, whether you're going to be a full-time starter or whether you're still trying to find your way in the NBA. So it revisited the rookie ladder from the year prior. P.J. Washington would have been eligible. He was not on the 10-man rookie ladder. But on the sophomore ladder, he was in at fifth. He was behind such superstars as Zion Williamson. Makes total sense. Williamson is... He's an all-star already. Behind Ja Morant, that makes sense as well. Michael Porter Jr. for Denver, I think, has been extremely impressive. R.J. Barrett, I understand it completely. R.J. is a starter on a team that uh, is currently in the top five, maybe top six now in the Eastern Conference, but very impressive. But it did have P.J. Washington ahead of players like Tyler Hero of Miami, Kobe White of Chicago. Brandon Clark of Memphis, Rui Hachimura of Washington. These are pretty good players who had really good rookie seasons. What are your thoughts here on P.J. Washington and his placement on this so-called sophomore ladder? It's pretty tough. I mean, I think P.J. Washington should definitely be in that conversation, especially the one game that stood out to me the most is that I think he kind of took the the NBA world by storm in his very first game setting the NBA record for three-pointers made by rookie in his first game and scoring at that time a career-high 27 points. I mean, that's how he introduced himself into the world. And I think he plays a pivotal role in this Hornets lineup because he he allows us to be able to have not only a stretch four position that he can play knocking down the three-pointer, but he can also play uh, as a big. I mean, he's much much smaller, but he has more heart playing against guys like Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert. But he, he pretty much holds his ground that gives us an advantage when we're able to play. And so if you look at the statistics, his efforts on the defensive end does make us better when we're playing these small ball lineups because he also is a, is a decent shot blocker, and he's one that's not willing to back down uh, from anybody. And he's a tremendous rebounder as well. And he also creates an, uh, an advantage, a disadvantage for the opposite team that he can stretch the floor. So that, that normally is a position where you can pull defenders out and create a lot of backdoor passes and easing up situations for the guards to be able to attack the room. So PJ can do a lot of different things that, that, that is amazing. And I think that he should be considered at least, I mean, you have the Zion Williamson's and I get it, you know, there's a difference between those guys, but you also have to look at 
what role does Zion play in New Orleans and what role that P.J. Washington does. And it's kind of pretty similar that they both have, have a huge impact on their team. And I think that's the point. I think, you know, Zion Williamson has proven himself to be an all-star caliber player. John Morant is pretty close to it. Michael Porter Jr. has performed close to an all-star level. I think, you know, as Denver continues to ascend, it's very hard for a team to get three all-stars, but we saw Utah do that this year. I think if Denver is the number one team, there's no question Michael Porter Jr. will start to get some of that consideration. And R.J. Barrett's had a very good sophomore season as well, and he's clearly an exceptional talent. But I think it it speaks very well of P.J., the work he's put in, speaks very well, quite frankly, of Mitch Kupchak in the front office for identifying a player midway or late late into the lottery that can have this kind of impact. Uh, It's obvious they don't all do that. So uh, P.J. Washington flying up a lot of people's boards here in his sophomore season. One more segment to go on the Hornets Hivecast. It's scoreboard watching. What's the game we're going to be keeping an eye on today that could have an impact on the Hornets standings tomorrow? That's next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Sam Farber and Wes Robinson here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Only two games remain in the regular season, and then it will be time for the play-in tournament. Now, the Hornets are locked into it. They will be play-in bound. Their goal would be to get the eighth seed. And while they haven't really been able to help themselves, schedule's been tough. The injuries and ailments and absences have certainly been tough. They have gotten a little bit of help from other teams. The Indiana Pacers have not exactly gone flying in through their final week of the season yet. They did beat Philadelphia, which was a bit of a surprise the other day, but they lost to Milwaukee yesterday. They're going to play a Lakers team who is extremely motivated. They're trying to avoid the play-in tournament on their side of things in the Western Conference, which still could be accomplished. So look for a very involved Lakers team, a one that's certainly motivated for that game. So that could help the Hornets and also the Washington Wizards. Two close games, but two losses against the Atlanta Hawks. So the situation as it sits right now, Wes, the Hornets need to win one game or have one Washington loss to guarantee that this team will be at worst the nine seed. Washington is going to be hosting Cleveland tonight. And while Cleveland is long since eliminated and has been really not performing well for a long time now. They did get a win over Boston in their most recent game, so it's not impossible. Yes, prior to that win, they had lost 10 in a row, but never mind that. They beat Boston. So what are your thoughts as you look to this game tonight, Washington hosting the Cavaliers? I can see Washington at least pulling that match. I don't want them to pull that matchup out, but you cannot deny that uh, Russell Westbrook and um, he even through Bradley Beal that he's been pretty much trying to bounce back from his injury and I'm not sure what his status is uh, currently right now at the top of my head, but I just know what, when you have a guy like Russell Westbrook, who is pretty much setting up a lot of um, of other guys to be able to put themselves in a position and, and to make a run at this time, and, and they're at home versus a Cleveland team that's pretty much already out, out, out of it at this point. I do see them having that advantage, but as far as without looking at Washington, I mean, we, we do have to face Washington at the end of the season. I think uh, for our, our case is that we'll just have to focus on what we have to do, just like JB said, going into Saturday and pulling out the win on Sunday and we just have to see how it plays out. It seemed like more than likely we've had the help pretty much through. We've even though we've lost a lot of games the last five out of our uh, last four out of five, 
but we've been fortunate enough to be able to still stay afloat and to be able to clinch the play-in tournament. I think at this point, the only thing we can do is try to control as much as we can and, and pull out these two wins. And hopefully, hopefully, and I, and I hope, and I say hopefully with a, all capital letters that we can get a few guys back in the lineup that'll give us an advantage so that we can be prepared, whether it's a one win going into the playoffs or we have to win two games to get into the playoffs. I hope that we can have that advantage and, and that, that fair shot going into next week. Yeah, health would be just monumental for this team. If they could somehow get Gordon Hayward back, that would be a total shift in the odds for the Hornets to advance, whether they have to win one two, uh, one or two games to survive the play-in tournament. But even Miles Bridges coming back would be significant for this squad. One other note on uh, tonight's game that we're watching, scoreboard watching, Washington hosting Cleveland. Cleveland did beat Boston, but it was at home. The last time Cleveland won a road game, April 14th, they were at Spectrum Center. 103 to 90 wow. was the last time they won a game away from Cleveland. Going to the scenarios here down the stretch for uh, the Hornets to be the eight seed, they have a magic number of two, meaning they either need to win both their games against New York and against the Wizards, as you mentioned, or win one and have Indiana lose, or. They could still lose both games if Indiana loses both of theirs and Washington were to lose to Cleveland. That would also get the job done. How about for the nine seed? For that to happen, the Hornets basically need a win or Washington to have a loss in any order anyway. It could be the head-to-head. If that does it, Charlotte would have the nine seed locked up. Pacers could still surplant them for the eight seed with back-to-back wins. But as we mentioned, they're going to have a difficult game coming up against the Los Angeles Lakers. Could they fall to the 10 seed? The answer is yes. The Hornets, if they were to lose to New York and the Pacers were to win their last two games against the Lakers and against Toronto and Washington were to beat Cleveland, and obviously if the Hornets lose both their games, Washington would be beating them as well. Charlotte could find themselves all the way down in the 10 spot, which would leave a, a sour taste, I think, in a lot of fans' mouths. But still, keep in mind, this is a team that was not picked anywhere near the play-in tournament, and Charlotte is guaranteed to be a part of it moving forward. So those are all the scenarios. There is a path to being 10th. It is a, a very long shot, but it is possible. Ninth and 8th are more likely and control of their own destiny is completely in the Hornets' hands at this stage. Looking ahead to the final weekend of the season, Bismarck Biombo talked after last night's loss about the team's mindset moving forward. People are in a great mindset. I mean, I think we understand where we are right now, uh, what we need to do on the next few games. Uh, I think everybody is locked in. Uh, you could tell the first half we started well. Uh, obviously, as the game goes on, you got to figure out. Uh, they figure things out. we got to figure out our stuff on this side. But the morale is good. I think we're in good spirits. Uh, we look forward to a Saturday game, Sunday game. So. Wes, your final thought for this podcast on uh, Biz's thoughts on the mindset moving forward. At this point, positivity. That's the biggest thing that we're going to have to focus on and to focus on our lane and winning our two games and try to prepare ourselves as much as possible. I mean, well, one thing about tonight that I could see that 
even with the heart and the fight that we had and the grit and grind. And that was a great veteran defensive team. But one thing we cannot have, and this is no disrespect to Bismack Biombo at all. I'm very proud of his efforts. But if Bismack Biombo is leading the team uh, in field goals made, which I think he has six tonight, and uh, Terry Rozier and um, Devontae Graham combined for at least, I think, four or five, that's a situation that we just cannot have going forward if we're expecting to make a run in the play-in and in the playoffs as well. So we just have to be able to take these losses and turn them into lessons, just like James Borrego spoke about, is being able to gain a lot from these experiences. Denver and the Clippers are two teams you definitely want to learn from. Ultimately, we want to be uh, those teams where they are, compete for a championship one day and how efficient they are offensively. So we want to be those teams we could be able to take these kind of games that we're having and the fight and grit and grind that we're putting up in the fight Keep that heart, but also understand that we also have to we have to make shots. We have to put ourselves in a position that we can compete and, and overcome these uh, second half and close out these games. So positivity is going to be my key word going forward and focus on what we have to focus on. He's Wesley Robinson, social media associate for the Charlotte Hornets, and I look forward to all of his tweets and posts throughout the weekend as the Hornets try and strive and make it, hopefully, into that eight seed. No matter what, they'll be in the play-in tournament. It will be a lot of fun, a, uh, an atmosphere the Hornets were hoping this young roster could get to. Wes, thanks, as always, for joining us here today on the Hornets Hivecast. Sounds good. I appreciate it. And thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. A reminder, we will have our preview podcast tomorrow for that matchup with the Knicks, and it is an early one, a 1 p.m. tip time. So make sure right when you wake up on Saturday, that podcast will be there for you. Hey, if you're up really late today, it might be there for you too. So keep looking for it. Make sure you subscribe, and we appreciate your patronage of the Hornets Hivecast all throughout this season. For Wes Robinson and everyone here on the Hornets Hivecast, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us on this edition of the HHC. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Till next time, in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.